Hi there. How's it going, man? Just made a couple reels with like any. Uh, charge it. Nice song. I like it. Made a reel with that. Fleeing Trump train. Trump hit with GOP defections after disastrous verdict. Uh -huh. One hour ago. I'm Ben Mycellus from the Midas Touch Network. Some Republicans are actually coming out kind of against Donald Trump following the verdict in the E. Jean Carroll federal case where Donald Trump was found liable and uh, ordered to pay $5 million to E. Jean Carroll after the findings by the federal jury. I want to show you some of these statements made by Republicans, and frequently it's more Republicans who are no longer uh, in office or people like uh, Andy McCarthy who writes for the National Review. And I want to show you some of the statements of other MAGA Republicans, though, who have just made some despicable statements, basically going all in on Donald Trump and supporting him. But first, let me show you this clip of Andy McCarthy, a writer for the National Review. He goes on Fox following the verdict and states, to roll the dice on nominating someone with these kind of difficulties and baggage, I just can't see. Here, play this clip. Ability and the possibility the special counsel will bring charges. The New York uh, Manhattan District Attorney has already brought charges. There's uh, question about whether they'll bring charges in Fulton County. Uh, but then, you know, staring right in front of us is this trial that's already been scheduled for October, which is a, a fairly key period of time uh, when the primaries and the uh, and the debates have gotten rolling. So I, I just think at a certain point, people are going to say that it's it's just it, it's too much. It's not it doesn't mean that you don't like President Trump or you don't think he was a good president. It's It's simply that to roll the dice on nominating somebody with this, these kinds of difficulties and baggage, I, I just can't <laughs> see it. So a point I want to make about Andy McCarthy and what he just said. First off, Donald Trump just continues to post about the National Review Shit and does. attacks them. Like the other day on his social media platform, Donald Trump wrote, the once respected National Review is <laughs> dead. The rhinos and stupid people killed it a oh. long time ago. And he's reposting something from Steve Bannon where Steve Bannon <laughs> lies and says the 2020 Human. election is rigged and everybody knows it and how dare the National Review not admit that the election was rigged. And so it's just more of Donald Trump and Bannon spreading these election conspiracies. But the biggest problem I also have, among others, with the National Review as Donald Trump attacks them for not being a part of his cult is that the focus the here is that right. because Donald Trump has this baggage, that therefore Donald Trump is unlikely to win. In other words, Lawsuits proved that wrong. Keep writing. So get a fucking gag order 
on Trump saying the 2020 elections were rigged. 60 lawsuits proves that wrong. And he is inciting insurrection every time he says that. If Donald Trump could win and have these horrific policies, they would still support him, but they just think that these aren't winning issues. And to me, that's not what leadership is about. And to you, I know that's not what leadership is about. It's not just about winning. It shouldn't be. It should be about right or wrong. And when you engage in unlawful conduct and the most heinous and despicable conduct, if you call yourself a conservative or whatever you call yourself, Democrat, Republican, we should all have an objective reality that there's just immoral, wrong unlawful behavior and call it out and that's what Donald Trump engages in and as I read you some of these other MAGA Republican comments as well that's part of the things that they are focused on is that they go oh well I don't think Donald Trump can get elected I don't think he could win which they are throwing him under the bus here to some extent but they're not focused on the fact that Donald Trump was just found guilty by a jury he was found liable for some the most heinous and egregious of conduct in order to pay $5 million for it. This is Senator John Cornyn of Texas who tells CBS, yeah, because of this verdict, I don't think Donald Trump can get elected. This is uh, Republican Senator Mike Rounds. You never, this is what he says, you never like to hear a former president has been found in civil court guilty of those types of actions and asked if he could support someone found liable of battery round said quote i would have a difficult time doing so and then heaped praise on team scott on tim scott by the way some great reporting reporting by huffington post reporter igor Bobic, who got a lot of these statements from the senators that i'm going to be reading i want to give him a ton of credit for his hard work there uh, but then he goes you never like to hear from a former president that they've been found in civil court guilty. Like, who even talks like that? I mean, why don't you just condemn the conduct, condemn it as being despicable, as being heinous, and as being something that is the opposite of all of the values that we should stand for here in the United States of America? Um, similar type of statement. This is from Senator Kramer who says that he sees no reason to doubt the jury, but he won't rule out supporting Trump if it's Trump versus Biden. He goes, obviously, I'd rather have a president that isn't found liable for battery, he said, but it's not a disqualifier, but it's certainly not a check in the plus column. I mean, it's not a disqualifier, but it's not a check in the plus column. I mean, come on, I mean, who talks like this? Who, who, who? Who says things like this? This is from former uh, Republican Congress member Mo Brooks uh, from Alabama. And Mo Brooks writes, At real Donald Trump guilty. $5 million sexual assault and defamation. Jury verdict. GOP cannot afford repeat sexual predator offender as 2024 president nominee. Offends voters badly. America needs strongest GOP candidate. Trump ain't it. Character matters. Well, the last part I agree with. Character matters. But again, where he focuses on the fact that uh, Trump can't win, again, it's, it's, it shouldn't be about winning. It should just be about character.
It should be, this is disqualifying to somebody's character. Um, but again, they kind of repeat over and over again this idea of winning versus losing, and that they'd be willing to support it if his conduct, if he could still um, win. This is uh, Senator Cassidy, Republican, um, goes, of course it creates concern. How could it not create concern? If what the woman says, if he's been found liable, how could it do anything but create concern? This is uh, Senator Mitt Romney, um, who's always been a strong critic of Donald Trump, at least over the past several years. He goes, the jury reached their decision, and I hope the jury of the American people reach the same conclusion. We need a different nominee to be the nominee for president. He is in no position to be the president of the United States. Let's compare that to some of the other responses. This is from Senator Rick Scott on the Trump verdict. Rick Scott goes, he said he didn't do it, but actually I don't know the facts of the case. I don't know the lady or anything. And asked if he could support someone who was found liable of sexual battery. He said, I don't know the facts. It's a New York jury, too. Uh, Steve Daines, Senator Steve Daines, who just endorsed Trump, um, reacted to the verdict and says, Sounds like President Trump's legal team will just be appealing this decision. Uh, Marco Rubio, Senator of Florida, goes, The jury is a joke. The whole case is a joke. And then Rubio goes, Yeah, it was just all a joke. I mean, who talks like this? Um, we then have, let me read you another one. This is, yeah, Reggie Rubio. Uh, you know, that's, I, I could, I could keep going, with that, but you, you get the point. Um, the end of the day, I think that this actually will draw out some more defections within the MAGA Republican, uh, party, or at least demonstrate MAGA Republicans versus, you know, at, at some point this should be a litmus test, right? Like, Every person, every candidate, every politician should be asked this question. Here, I'll just show you this. And this is just shows you how cowardly Kevin McCarthy is. Let me play this clip of Kevin McCarthy, just so you see how he responded here. Play this clip. No. Yes. I'm not going to avoid your question, but as you know, I've been at the White House. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the indictment, but as you know, with George Santos, I did not put him on any committees. Um, for those like Senator Menendez, who was indicted and went to trial, he was still able to vote, and others. I believe he's a chairman of the committee today. Uh, in America, we'll just follow the same pattern we always have, right? If a person is indicted, they're not on committees, they have the right to vote, but they have to go to trial. If um, just like we had a member of Fulton, he had the same ability. I removed him from committees, but he was found guilty, and I told him to do the reason. That is my policies and principles on this, and I follow the same. Yes, I, I don't. I've been Right. That that about sums it up. At the end of the day, very, very, very uh, spineless. But we will keep you updated as we learn more here on the Midas Touch Network about these other reactions. Wanted to share those with you. Until next time, I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers thanks to your incredible support. So please hit subscribe. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Wherever you get your audio podcast, subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast. It's free. Hit subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is free. Have a great day.
Hey Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Good stuff, man. from outer space i got milky whip this is uh republican senator mike rounds you never this is what he says you never like to hear a former president has been found in civil court guilty of the Christopher Press. Party. Okay, so I wrote, hey, Justice Department, do your fucking job and throw Trump in prison already. And if you're too chicken shit to do that, the least you can do is disqualify him under 14th Amendment. a new chicky baby in my incubator. Criminal Division. types of actions and asked if he could support someone found liable of battery, Brown said, quote, I would have a difficult time doing so. And then he prays on Jury rules Scott, against Trump sent us indicted Fox Revenue Free Fall Majority 54. George Santos indicted for yeah. fraud on the same day Trump was right. found liable uh-huh. for sexual abuse and defamation. We'll dust uh-huh. off our legal degrees and help you make sense of these developments. Fox News posts a quarterly profit loss while Tucker Carlson plots his comeback. Josh Hawley has a book coming right. out titled Manhood. 
Someone sent me a passage. I have thoughts. Mm-hmm. A Tennessee teacher had to cancel planned, uh, planned Mother's Day celebrations because she wanted to acknowledge gay parents. And then, is Joe Manchin planning to retire? We will read the tea leaves. This is Majority 54. Yeah. All right, Jason. Well, you know, it's one of the many lovely things about being in New York is that we're in the middle of history over here. And I have moved to Brooklyn. And all those indictments were going on in Manhattan. Now across the street from my new apartment, we got another set of indictments. Is it causation? Is it correlation? I don't know. But Santos uh, finally was indicted here in Brooklyn. 13 counts unsealed this morning, revealing... This, this picture, people listening can't see it, but like, <laughs> I'm sure this picture is from something else. But this looks like... this. this somebody said, I'm going to run a headline about Santos' indictment. indictment. Find a picture where it looks like someone, Santos, just found out they were indicted, <laughs> which is not what happened here, but anyway. Well, yeah, and that's, that's literally right behind the building behind me over there, and this is 13 counts. We're not going to go through all of them, but uh, he faces seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. Worth mentioning here, you know, you and I have dabbled in the law. Don't commit crimes while committing the crime, people. That's what's going on here. Like, paying cash, don't lie to investigators, and then you might minimize your sentence here, but it seems like our guy here is in trouble. I don't even know where to begin and unravel. These schemes are so crazy. Where should we start? Uh, You know, it goes back. We've had this some of this conversation before. Um, the whole pathological liar thing, which is clearly what, what Santos is, right? I mean, he's a con man, but he's he's a pathological liar. And and that, to your point about committing crimes while you're committing crimes, if you are living in a fantasy world where the things you're doing are not against the law and the things you're saying are true, then as you're doing them, I don't think George Santos thought, like, Oh, I'm really in deep now. I, I don't know if I should do that. Uh, I'm all the way in. I guess I'm gonna now I'm gonna do wire fraud. I don't think he thought any of those things. I think he just had convinced himself, no, I really did get degrees from this school, and I really did give the money to that veteran's dog who was dying when he didn't do any of those things. And so, I I think that's how this got to where it is. I, also, he's clearly gonna go to prison, right? Like with all of these counts and and everything, like. First offense or not, which if you count Brazil, it's the second offense. But first offense or not, I can't imagine he doesn't get prison time when he's convicted for all this stuff. I would imagine so, and especially because the prosecutors tend to frown upon anything that is really within the nexus of the public interest. And one of these issues here, um, well, the, the U.S. Attorney uh, Brian Peace said the following, which tells me that we got some, we're expecting some major jail time. He said, taking together the allegations, uh, uh, the allegations in the indictment charge Santos with relying on repeated dishonesty and deception to ascend to the halls of Congress and enrich himself. So the ascend to the halls of Congress part here is what makes me think this is going to be a lot of jail time, because if you're just enriching yourself, you're like any other criminal. And, you know, the U.S. Attorney is going to put you behind bars, but they're not going to really stack it. But the judge and the U.S. attorney here, they're looking at this guy and saying, well, the fraud actually led to this guy serving in a very public and important role. And I think the most important charge here involves around Santos 
instructing some Queens-based political consultant to ask for contributions to be directed to a company that Santos controlled, which was not registered as a super PAC. And essentially, just Santos was taking this money, pretending it was a super PAC, and then just enriching himself with it. So that, I think, is yep. the most serious of the crimes here. At the end of the day, like, all this lying and everything and all the claiming to be whatever he's been, like a, a lion tamer or whatever, at the end of the day, it's just it's just old-fashioned corruption. Like, that's just, yeah. don't send the money to the campaign, send it to me personally. I mean, it's just your standard old-fashioned grifting. And, and yeah, and so. that part of this isn't new. I mean, obviously, the, the, the web of lies and the way he presented it is unique to him. It's a, it's a unique spin on the ball that he has, but... A lot of this is just run-of-the-mill stuff, and they're gonna they're gonna nail him on this. I think the question is, is there gonna be any accountability between now and then? And he met with Speaker McCarthy in McCarthy's office on Tuesday before surrendering surrendering himself to authorities. ABC News reports that Santos told McCarthy he would be charged. McCarthy is kind of professing ignorance of all of this. He did some double speak when asked about it, because um, remember this is a five-seat majority. So if Santos resigns, this is a blue state. Um, he, you know, it's very high likelihood that this would go to a Democrat the seat. And so, um, you know, like, McCarthy like, like would just in, a, just in a special election, it would, or like it's let's look like this in up. general, is it a more Democratic seat? Yeah, let's look this up. Santos resigns. What? Let's see what the Google says. Um, while you do that, I will fill in the rest on what McCarthy said. So McCarthy, yeah, uh, so McCarthy initially, when he was asked about this, you know, a while back prior to any charges, he was like, "Well, tell me what he's charged with." Like very snarky, like kind of being difficult with the press. Like he's not charged. I don't know what you're talking to me about this for. And then he got charged, and he was asked about it. And he's like, "I haven't had a chance to look at the charges." But then he did say, "Look, there's a standard way we go about this. If somebody is charged, uh, is indicted, then." They're not going to serve on committees. They'll still vote, but they won't serve on committees. So that's how he avoided answering the should he resign question. Oh, now I remember this because I had a, a conversation with a potential candidate about this. This is this is weird. So if Santos resigns or is expelled, the governor of New York calls special elections, but party, party committees select the nominees, and state party leadership would choose the nominee for each party. So I was talking with somebody a little while ago who was complaining about this because essentially you deprive the parties of a primary. And uh, these uh, Long Island political operatives and, and committees are not exactly, um, I, I would say they're not exactly the most connected to the, uh, the rank and file voters. And so I think there's going to be a little bit of backroom dealing, which I think is a problem for another day here. But that's, that's pretty standard in special elections, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, that's how it works here um, when there's a special election. Uh, it's, it's, it's especially in a seat because all the seats, there's really no truly competitive house seats in Missouri anymore. Uh, and there's maybe something close, but there's nothing really super competitive. So it becomes basically a, a few county committee members appoint the next member of Congress because yeah. the nominee is chosen for that party. Uh, but it doesn't sound like that's how it'll be there. It sounds like there'll be a real fight over it. It um, will be a competitive election. I mean, the, the, the environment favors... Um, the environment favors Democrats because of just the tough fluke of that original um, election. But it could, you know, it's still pretty, you see it go either way. Um, well, okay. Uh, and by the way, this is Brett's home district. I'm 
awesome shout out to um, the Midas Brothers. Well, okay. Uh, let's talk about this other case making its way <laughs> through our ethos right now. This is the um, Trump civil trial. I know it's hard to keep track right now. This is uh, a trial that Trump underwent. This kind of came and went without a lot of focus. I know everybody was reporting on it, but I think everybody's been confused about all these different charges that Trump faces. But this is a civil case uh, where he was um, on trial for sexually abusing and defaming Eugene Carroll, who's a writer. Um, and he was found guilty in order to pay $5 million in damages after a civil trial. Uh, and, you know, this was uh, from nearly 30 years ago. And through some work at the New York State Legislature, they created a window for people to file civil charges um, you know, later in the game. It, it didn't apply to criminal charges. So it was kind of a window for people to, you know, exercise their rights over a short period of time. And she came forward and was successful in court. Yeah. And so it's interesting to watch the Republicans do the whole, he wasn't found guilty, he was found liable. <laughs> okay, because it's a civil case. I mean, but but the, the jury literally found that it was more likely than not that President Trump sexually abused her in a dressing room of Bergdorf Bergdor Goodman uh, in 1986. So, like, you know, a jury of his peers were like, yeah, we think you did that. Uh, and they found that he, that he defamed her uh, in comments that he made while he was denying the allegations so um, yeah and which became, I, I, my, my question is, is did he defame her again now that he's saying i have no abs no idea who this woman is and this is a disgrace like can she sue him again now for lying and saying he doesn't know who she is i think the i don't know who she is would be protected because that doesn't like get to her character specifically yeah, obviously good, like yeah. it would imply that she's lying um if he took that extra step i think he would, but he will take the exercise, so we'll right, see what happens. The, uh, you know, apparently in this trial... Because, by the way, I think it would be really funny if every time he talks about her, he gets sued and it costs him a few million dollars. <laughs> I just think that'd be hilarious. It's unbelievable. Honestly, like, it, it's, it's remarkable to think about what his life must be like right now, feeling all of these legal inquiries, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but he, uh, apparently the trial involved a lot of testimony of other accusers, but also the broader pattern, Trump's behavior, you know, touched on everything from the Access Hollywood tape to other allegations against him. And, uh, you know, this is where his own behavior was, you know, finally came back to haunt him. You know, there's a, there's a sense that he's Teflon, yada, yada, yada. And some people may say, well, what's $5 million to him? He probably raised more than that that day in response to the verdict. But we're chipping away here, chipping away a little bit by a little bit. And there's... Uh, a lot of evidence, if you've been following this Georgia case, which is my favorite of the cases, that people are starting to flip around Trump if you're reading the tea leaves there. So you're just, you know, you're you're holding him accountable one little piece by one little piece, and him having to defend himself on multiple fronts weakens. Right, and, I would go yeah, ahead, go ahead. No, no, you said. I was just going to say, I would argue, by the way, that $5 million might still be a lot to him, because yeah, we never really know what he's actually What's worth, and, yeah. and we know that, like, before he was spending all this money on legal bills, he negotiated Stormy Daniels to $130,000, because that's what he could afford to, you know what I mean? Like, it just seemed, and if you look at the people who he hasn't paid, like, oftentimes it's a lot less than $5 million that he didn't have to pay them, so 
think it could be for him more than we realize. Right. Well, speaking of him, you know, CNN has caught some heat because they invited him to a town hall. I think maybe today is the town hall meeting on Wednesday. I think it's tonight, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there he, he's, they invited him on, and just yesterday he posted on Truth Social that CNN, that fans of his, um, no, he basically responded to fans being like, why go to I think we have a video that Brett can play. Oh, it's a video that he put out on Truth Social. And this is, let's just play the whole thing. Uh, this is Trump talking about doing the CNN town hall. Tonight, live from the great state of New Hampshire, because CNN is rightfully desperate to get those fantastic Trump ratings back. They were ratings like none other, and they want them back. They made me a deal I couldn't refuse. Could be the beginning of a new and vibrant CNN with no more fake news, or it could be a total disaster for all, including me. Let's see what happens tonight at 8 o'clock. Okay, first of all. So much here. That was actually what I was going to read. So much better than we put the video yeah. out there. The, the deal that he couldn't refuse, I read a little bit more about it, is, is that it's going to be an audience of 400 uh, either Trump-leaning Republicans and Trump-leaning or conservative-leaning independents. So it's it's an audience of, yeah, it's a very friendly crowd, right? Which, I mean, okay, I guess he's running in a primary, but on the other hand, he's also the former president. So, like, right. doesn't it make sense he'd have, like, all sorts of political persuasions? But whatever. So that's the deal he couldn't refuse. Uh, never mind the fact that he's still got a, what, $475 million dollar lawsuit for defamation against the network. Okay, put all that aside. Yeah, it, let's right. underscore that for a second. He's suing the network that's putting him on. Right, right. Like, uh, honestly, I mean, maybe they're letting him on because this, this constitutes waiver. I don't know. But, uh, but okay, so put all that aside. Uh, when he says clearly what CNN wants is those Trump ratings again, is there any doubt that he's right? He's 100% right. And, you know, at CNN, this is the problem with some of these networks, is they only, the, the sort of DNA of Crossfire is still deep in the crevices of CNN, where they can only imagine a world where you have a standard version of the Democrats and a standard version of the Republicans, which right now is Trump Republicanism. And that there isn't a, a wider variety of types of people out there. Like, you can have, I you know this is how I spend my day, like, you can have actual conservatives, libertarians who are ideologically consistent and interesting without having to put Trump himself on. You know, when I look at this, it reminds me of Ted Cruz. Like, remember, like, all these memes of Ted Cruz, like, making fundraising calls for Trump right. after he, you know, called Cruz every name in the book and accused his father of murdering JFK? And, and like, called you his know, wife and, ugly? Yeah. I, could you imagine? Look. So I'd put it to, like, let yeah. alone make fundraising calls for him. I mean, no dignity, no dignity. Yeah, and uh, so, so, but, but so, to your point, it's like they're going after the. Are they going after just the ratings, or are they also going after somewhat of a conservative audience, right? Because, right. because at this point, like, if you look at the way conservatives look at CNN, like, they have no hope of getting conservatives to watch CNN. It's not going to happen. Right. So I guess they're just going after the same people who, you know, will slow down when you go past a car wreck or whatever, which is a lot of cable news viewers. So it's going to work. It's a question of what is the patriotic duty of a, of a corporation like this. Because he's not a normal 
former president. Like, he wants to be a dictator. He's an authoritarian, scary, awful figure who's objectively un-American. And by the way, 48 hours from when they're going to sit down to ask him questions, he was found liable of sexual abuse. Like, he was found by a jury to have done things that if one of their, forget anchors, interns, there was a credible allegation that they had done, they would no longer work at the network. But they're going to put him on their air. Well, kind of I, I used to work at CNN, and I think, and, and I don't mind telling you, this is messed up. I have a feeling that, you know, in, in CNN right now, what they're saying is we have nothing to lose. <laughs> they're like, we don't yeah. have an identity right now. What is the identity of CNN? I have no idea. Like, it's Jake Tapper doing his best. Yeah, you know? Jake I mean, Tapper that's, is, is. That's what they want it to be, understandably. And Jake, yeah. and Jake, I mean, he's a friend. I love Jake. I, I, I like Jake a lot, too. Uh, I don't mind Anderson Cooper either, but like, beyond that, it's like, what are, what is this, right? What is the identity of this network? Well, there's some great people there, Kate Baldwin, like, we could go through the list. There's some great people there who do very good work, um, and stuff like this undermines them, right? Just as there, there are, you know, not a lot, but there are real reporters at Fox, because that's where they could get a national job, right? And they are constantly stymied because they try and report actual news, and then they're constantly undermined by Hannity and Ingram and whichever replacement of a white guy they put in Tucker Carlson's seat eventually. And so what I don't know if CNN understands is this is undermining them in the same way that that undermines people who are actually trying to do their job in the world of Fox. Right. Well, uh, we'll tune in tonight. By the time you're listening to this, if you're listening to the podcast version, you will know what happened. I'm not going to tune in. I, I don't want to be a part of the race. I will, under, obviously, because we do this. We're, I'm gonna catch the clips because yeah. you, you because I've got to be able to talk about this stuff. I'll probably cover um, it on Lost Debate tomorrow for anybody who wants to listen to that. Um, with the conservative table who goes on Fox News regularly, so that'll be an interesting conversation. So uh, speaking of a conservative who goes on Fox News regularly, you somehow got your hands on an excerpt of uh, Josh Hawley's book. What's the name of this book again? The book is called Manhood. Uh, which it's is, not a sequel to Boyhood. Uh, yeah. It's a great movie. <laughs> Shout out to Ethan Hawke. Also lived down the street. Yeah. Um, that's my new neighbor. All right. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 not a sequel to Boyhood. I don't know what it's a sequel to. He want, he's trying to act like it's a sequel to the Bible. I mean, he, he writes a lot about the Bible in this, I guess. So somebody sent me, I don't think it's really out, but what's happening is, is he's doing, uh, he's basically doing a church tour around the country uh, where he talks about what it is to be a man, uh, and then I, I guess there are some copies of the book available at those. Somebody got a hold of one and sent me this passage, uh, and I think it's kind of remarkable because, as you and I have talked about quite often, one of the things that I find, and there are many things that I find objectionable and incredible about Josh Hawley, but one of them is that he is a human being who uh, not only did he support the war in Iraq, uh, he then while he was at, I believe, Oxford, he popped popcorn, and there's been lots of witnesses to this, invited everybody to come in and watch the invasion. And he treated it like it was like a fun action movie. Like, that's how Josh Hawley thought of it. And then, years later, while running for office, he said that he had always opposed the, uh, the war in Iraq, which is the kind of guy that Josh Hawley is. And so now, Josh Hawley, who is what, like, maybe a couple years older than me at most, I think, uh, clearly, like, I mean, he was in college when 9-11 happened. I was in college when 9-11 happened. It's fine. Whether he served or not, it's fine. 
But if you're going to be for the war and then later pretend you were against it, like, you know, I have problems with you popping popcorn uh, and watching the war. So here is what Josh Hawley wrote in this passage that somebody sent me uh, about manhood. I'm not going to read the entire thing, um, but let me let me pick from it a little bit here. Uh, so it says, uh, where Epicurean liberalism, I don't know what that is, I'm not going to look it up because I don't care, urges self-creation as the pathway for pain. The Bible urges different qualities of character, self-renunciation and sacrifice. This is the most, like, this writing is horrible. I apologize for people having to listen to this. Like, this is like he just had a thesaurus next to his computer. The Bible says meaning is found and the soul is formed in confronting the darkness and setting oneself. I mean, you're just using oneself, like, like that's a thing people say. Setting oneself against it, standing between other people and evil. Does this explain why there is evil in the world to begin with? I mean, what the hell is this? And he says, of course not. But it tells a man what he is supposed to do about it. It tells him that his pain and hardship can be turned to good if he will take up his post. Take up his post and stand in the gap. All right? All right, here we go. This is where it gets good. All right? I'm going to skip this next paragraph, which is equally unreadable, uh, where it basically says, but it ends in that a true man scorns the light of life and holds that honor you are aiming at as a cheaply bought if all, as cheaply bought if all its price is life. Anyway, he's like romanticizing the idea of giving, giving one's life for the country or something he never volunteered to come close to doing. All right, and then here's, the, here's where we get to the good part. When I was five or six years old, I was out one summer day in the fields with my grandfather, Harold. I remember it was summer because the corn was tall and green and the day was bright. Now, just a clue for everybody, when a writer of a memoir says, uh, I don't know if this is true around, because who knows, who knows if this rule I was about to put out is true. I would just say, to me, what Josh Hawley says here, I remember it was summer because is a clue that this shit never happened. Okay, but anyway, continue. Here we go. And I remember uh, I was five or six because I was struggling with the laces on my work boots. Okay, so 30 plus years ago, there were work boots for five or six year olds. Don't remember that, but okay. They were thicker than the laces in my shoes, harder to hold, and harder for small hands to tie. Okay. Uh, I had to ask for my grandfather's help. And as he bent down to take hold of the laces, I complained vaguely about having to wear boots at all. He replied, you need to learn to tie your boots. You have to know how to get them on right. And then he added, you know, soldiers wear boots. Still a little sullen, I replied to this that I wasn't a soldier, so I didn't need to put on the boots. He replied, you may be one day. If your country calls, you'll go. Sorry, granddad, you were wrong. Okay, but anyway, here we go. He had some, imagine writing this if you're him. He had something specific in mind. One of his sons, my uncle Gene, had been drafted for service in the U.S. military at the height of the Vietnam War. It was a point of pride in my family that despite potential grounds for deferment, he had served in the 101st Airborne. When I was young, my mother showed me the newspaper clippings my grandmother had carefully preserved from the county paper with pictures of Gene leaving for Vietnam. Later clippings showed pictures of his return. I knew what my grandfather was referring to that day when he said, you'll go. That was expected. That's part of what it meant to be a man, to go stand on the line, to go and defend, to confront evil and do something about it. Okay. Let's talk about this. How, what, what Olympic self, like lack of self-awareness events are you trying to win when you, Josh Hawley, an individual who never served in the military, cheered on a war and then claimed never to have been for that war in the first place, would say that your grandfather told you that if your country calls, you'll go. Why would you say that unless you have a, 
completely warped idea of what it is you've done with your life because all you did was go to Ivy League schools and then like clerk at the Supreme Court. Like, what is the hardship that Josh Hawley has faced that his grandfather is not like, man, what a tool my grandson turned out to be. Like, it's just incredible, is it not? It's unbelievable. And it actually makes me really look forward to reading this book. I think I might write a full review. But while you were you were reading that, I, I, I couldn't help myself to try to figure out what this Epicurean liberalism is that he's talking oh, about. Please. So, Epicurious... So, apparently this is the opposition to Stoicism, which is really hot right now. You know, people like Ryan Holiday, who would be appalled by this, the writing and the ideas of this book, I, I have no doubt, um, is, you know, the father of the kind of new, like, refined, like, modern uh, Stoic conversations. He writes the Daily Stoic, and really good writer. I love him. You and I have talked about him all the time before. Epicureanism is apparently like a hedonistic, individualistic alternative to stoicism which is more connected and communal and deep etc so he's basically taking aim at at people who he views as selfish self-absorbed liberals well, now we're attaching epicureanism to liberalism because uh, I, it's selfish you can't be selfish and a conservative i take it now and our us liberals are only out for ourselves that's that is my sense you know i've not read the book obviously i haven't really looked forward to it but I, that's what he i guess he's arguing and i makes me really excited to dismantle whatever this point is that he's making. Well, the part I didn't read, the whole, the, the first page begins with the words, God made Adam a guardian and charged him to watch the perimeter. Uh, okay, well, there was no other people. Like, what are you talking about? Like, in that, in that myth, in that story, like, who is he guarding? Again, and then, like, the violence comes from within the family. Like, what are you talking about? Here's what's going on with Holly. I know him well enough, new listeners and yeah. I went to law school with him. He's bored by how dumb he is right now, generally. Like, he's bored by, like, the kind of concessions he's had to make, the fact that he's got to hang around and kiss Trump's ass, and he, he's, he views himself as an intellectual. And he's sitting oh, in Congress, sure. and he has to do all these things that he knows are stupid, but that he has to do them in route to this grand goal he's always had of being president of the United States. But he's boring himself to death. So when he writes these books, he has to throw around all this intellectual stuff as a way to keep himself engaged and also to try to, like, come up with an elaborate edifice to, like, hold up all these choices that he's made to be able to say, all right, it's, I'm not just being raw, like, a raw politician and just doing kissing Trump's ass because this is my personal self-interest. What I'm doing is I am exercising some kind of, like, grand biblical philosophical you know you know moral crusade that has been long in the making since the days of adam and eve and i'm gonna like bend over backwards to try to connect the dots between all of that to paint myself as the hero and my enemies uh as like the main obstacle here my enemies being these materialistic epicureans right <laughs> so that's what he's doing he's sitting around because he's got to go home eventually and he's got to read books and he's got to then Square what he's reading in these books with this really, really dumb public persona he has right now, and this is what we get from that entire exercise. That's my that's my guess. Uh, I think that's a great take. I think that's exactly right. You know, is that he? It's a god complex. He he believes yeah. that he. Otherwise, how do you justify things like being part of an insurrection unless right. God told you to? 
right? And, and on top of that, as we've discussed before, he is a very smart guy. And, and so, you know, when you say you went to law school, you went to Yale Law School with him. Like, he's a smart guy. When you listen to him talk, and his writing is like a, when a smart honestly, guy is also a tool. Yeah, it's uh, honestly because disappointing he's writing. so condescending to, like, he's just like, I'm going to, he's one of those guys who's like, I'm going to talk in a way that is purposefully over your head to make sure you understand that I am smarter than you and whether or not I persuade you is really a secondary priority of me. I have said many times that Josh Hawley never really got over Will Hunting asking him if he liked them actors, you know, because he is that dude from the movie. Like, that is him to a T, right? He just cut his hair and ran for the Senate. So, but, uh, but I think the other thing about this that we should not fail to mention is, as you and I have talked about before, is that this strategy, uh, which is an age-old strategy of framing this uh, uncaring conservatism as a caring form of protective masculinity, is really smart. Because if what you're trying to do is A, win a Republican primary, where most of the voters are white men, and B, have the Republicans be able to win by racking up the margins among white men so high, but also then bringing a lot of suburban women whose families lean conservative with you and have a traditional idea of like gender roles, well, it's very effective to say the Republican Party or the conservative movement is the daddy party and the liberals are, are the mommy party. Like, and that is what he's doing in a new way that is scary and could really work if we don't have our own argument for this frame. Well, if you're a listener and you somehow have access to this book, reach out to me. Jason, if through your channels we can get it. I would love to get this book before it comes out in a couple of days. Because and I'd love for us to never pay for it. Yes, same. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to pirate the thing. I'm just saying, you know, loan us a copy. I ain't paying for it. Somehow I think I might have trouble in the, the interlibrary system in New York getting a, a whole this copy. But we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to check in with Tucker Carlson. A whole lot happening with him. We're going to then go down to Tennessee where Moms for Liberty are causing havoc in our classrooms. And then we're going to talk about the future of Joe Manchin. Will he run again? We're starting to see you know, some signs that he might not. All of that and more when we return. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong, so instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. Join fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code MAJORITY to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfume.com and use code MAJORITY to save an additional 10% off your order today. Well, this Tucker Fox News feud is not going away, Jason. He posted a video yesterday saying that he's going to, well, actually, let's just go to the video. The best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can. 
there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. It's not a guess, it's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that. The rule of what you can't say defines everything. It's filthy, really, and it's utterly corrupting. You can't have a free society if people aren't allowed to say what they think is true. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it's enshrined in the first of our constitutional amendments. Amazingly, as of tonight, there aren't many platforms left that allow free speech. The last big one remaining in the world, the only one, is Twitter. So he's going to Twitter, apparently. Musk says he does not have a deal with Tucker, but there's been a lot, a lot of reporting that those two have been talking. Tucker is still locked up with Fox News, but I guess there is a way he can get out of his non-compete clause if he just refuses whatever big contract money that he had. So either he could just take the money that we're going to pay him and shut up for a couple of years, or he could refuse that money and go on his own way and probably make a lot of money, if we're being honest, uh, just doing whatever crazy stuff he's going to do. That video I just played has over 100 million views as of today. And I'm sure they're not all fans. But 100 million, Jason, is a lot of money. Whenever I watch that stupid shit. It's, you know, it, I, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. He, he went on a whole, there's a whole other section of it. We went on a whole deal about how, like, what's true and what's not. That's, like, really scary. I don't know if you saw it, where he, he talked about how, yeah. look, yes, Fine. there are facts. He's like, the New York Times reports facts, yes, but that doesn't make them true. And I was like... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills right now. There are there are facts, but that doesn't make them true. It's like, it's, you know, do you remember Colbert used to, when he was playing his character on the Colbert Report, he talked about truthiness, which yeah, is something that's exactly right. not true, yeah. but it feels yeah. true. Like, truthiness went from, like, a parody of a sliver of the Republican Party and of Bill O'Reilly and them to, like, the glue, like, the uniting value on the right now is truthiness. Well, it, there's actually, speaking of like these sort of pseudo-intellectuals, this guy Scott Adams, the guy who does the Dilbert comics, wrote this book called Win Bigly, which my dad won't shut up about. And it's um, one of his core ideas is that Trump may have been wrong here and there, but he was always directionally true, was his point, which is another way of saying feels true. true. It yeah, feels he's like, kind of true. He might not be right, but he's always in the direction of truth. And I mean, you could argue that about anything, right? Like, you know, like uh, the Bills—they were gonna beat the—they're uh, gonna beat the Bengals last year. They didn't win, but they sure scored a couple points there along yeah. the way. It really felt like, like a win. Yeah. 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 But that's—not to sidebar it, but like, it is a lesson we can learn as liberals that we—we we are because we and to have a faithfulness to facts and things like that, we don't really think in this fashion, right? So, like, we don't look back at events and things and think anything other than what can we use to prove this point when maybe we ought to be thinking a little more, not in a bad way, but, like, more of, like, what is it that we can say where people will connect emotionally with people, right? And the stuff that works on that is, like, and there are facts for it. There are facts to demonstrate that the Republicans only care about the rich and that kind of thing. But... We always want to marry it with some piece of evidence. Maybe we just need to be saying it more often, right? Just right. as a fact, uh, because that's how truthiness works. You know, but anyway, back to Tucker. Well, they're fighting, uh, as you can imagine. And, you know, at some point, they'll, you know, they'll disentangle this, and Carlson will probably wind up 
getting to do his own show. It's probably in his financial interest. Whatever Fox is paying him, he could probably make as much or more. He probably values his independence more than anything else. Uh, you know, which, he, which he calls his free speech, by the way. But yeah. the implication in that video that makes me so mad is that the thing that he said that was true that you can't actually say uh, is what got him fired, which, by the way, was that's not how white men fight. Okay, like, he didn't say that in this video, but that is the well, implication. We'll do. And, I, and I am a long-time public uh, believer in pretty, like, expansive free speech. I, I tend to believe that the antidote to a lot of bad speech is just to shine a light on it and counter it. And I'm more on the libertarian side of, of Democrats, but I am frustrated constantly by these free speech purists, on the so-called, uh, on the right, who just throw it around uh, to try to deflect from their own inaccuracies, right? Like, free speech is a means to an end, and it's one that I will always defend. But that's not, that's just the beginning of the conversation. What you do with that right is paramount. So if you, if we had a free speech culture and robust protection of free speech, but everybody was, use that to, you know, talk about Holocaust denialism, then we would be squandering the opportunity, right? And so Tucker Carlson is retreating to free speech because it's convenient, because he then doesn't have to talk about what he has done with this incredible protection. Nobody has more free speech protections than Tucker Carlson. Nobody has had a louder megaphone. He's had the biggest television show in the history of cable news for a long time. And what did you do, Tucker Carlson, with that speech? You spread lies continuously. But that's not what he puts in his video. He then just tries to retreat and say, oh, it's just about the right itself, not what we're doing about the right. No, I'm sorry. Like, the right is a means to an end, one that we will always protect. But then the conversation needs to be, what are you doing with it? And he has shown himself continually incapable of exercising any judgment with the loud microphone he's got. He'll still get one, but we shouldn't fall for this. Anybody listening to this, if, you're, if you get into a conversation with somebody about the concept of free speech and cancel culture and all that kind of thing, the distinction you've got to make is between First Amendment free speech, which is freedom from having your speech suppressed or stopped by the government, have the freedom from censorship, right, by the government, versus speech without consequences, right? Freedom from consequences. Like, when you work at a place like Fox, like I referenced earlier, I, I spent a year as an as a on-air contributor for CNN, right? I understood that the product, the literal product that, that CNN was putting out, that I was contributing to it, that I was just like, you know, if they put out a widget, I was like somebody on the assembly line, right? I was part of putting out the product. But I also understood that just like if somebody on the assembly line does something wrong and the widget doesn't work, well, then people are not going to buy that widget as often. And if I go on TV and I say something that you really shouldn't say without people being deeply offended, without you know there being potential lawsuits, that kind of thing, well, then you're putting out a product that the public might not respond well to, and therefore the company that employs you gets to fire you from doing that, or the people who watch you get to stop watching you. That is not a question of being having free speech. You have free speech, because Tucker Carlson can go say that that's not how white men fight anywhere he wants. He can say wherever he wants. You just can't say it and have your TV show. It is, you have free speech, you do not have freedom from consequences, right? Like, for a bunch of people who are like avowed capitalists, it's incredible how they just completely ignore the fact that this is just capitalism. It's just market forces at work. That's all it is. Well, speaking of market forces, Fox posted a quarterly loss here. Uh, and so 
um, you know, Murdoch's son has basically been running the company, and he, you know, gave some statements to investors, and you know, he swung to a net $50 million loss for the quarter, which compared with earnings of $290 million during the same period last year. The loss came despite revenue increasing 18% to $4.08 billion. So anybody who's cheering on this quarterly dip, notable, but still a highly profitable company. And once they put behind them this lawsuit, if they could stay off the rest of them, they will be profitable. I continue to believe, though, their lawsuit was really important and helpful. Uh, it obviously pushed out Tucker Carlson. But it puts pressure on the company internally to change some of their systems. So I still think it's useful. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, nobody should be so naive as to think Fox News is going anywhere. Although, do you want to talk about these Media Matters videos? Oh, yeah. We'll take a step back here. Let's look at this. So um, Media Matters got some video of Tucker Carlson, you know, the behind the scenes uh, of Tucker Carlson. Uh, let's play one of these videos. I did. I talked to her at great length. It was actually pretty funny. I said, you know. You paused his here because he's really pissing me off here. Oh, I said, I, she tried to get, I was like, she's got a lot of liberals working over there. And, you know, they see this as war. And we're the main force on the other side. And, like, that's crazy. If you've got pronouns in your Twitter bio, you shouldn't work here. Because we can't trust you because you're on the other side. And she goes, well, who? And I said, I'm not going to name names because I don't know who did it. And I'm definitely not going to cast dispersions on someone unfairly. Just because you're liberal doesn't mean you did this. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work here. And Roger would never put up with this shit. Why would you do that? Do, do you know what I mean? They see this as war. It's like, I'm not that. I'm an actual liberal. Like, I'm totally fine being like, our makeup artist is like a screaming lefty. Um, no, but I'm not that way, as you know, but they are that way. And I said, I'm not ashamed of anything I said. Man, I'm talking to the makeup artist who's... But do you know what I mean, Justin? Lit-rolling him. If, if you've got, like, that, that horrible guy who was just horrible, who was Judge Janine's, uh, guy, I couldn't... Yeah, that guy! It's like a screaming left-wing lunatic! Why does he work here? What? He totally dicked over his anchor, and then we expect he's not going to dick over the network? Like, I don't have specific information on it, but I would... So, if, you could, if, you're, if you're not watching the video, the whole time he's got somebody lint-rolling him, fixing That's what the noise is. It's going over his microphone. Now. So, a couple things about this, and, you know, he, he goes on to say some more sexist things and all that, which got him in a lot of trouble. The one notable thing that is just worth saying, because I have a lot of people in my life who watch Fox News who continue to believe this fair and balanced bullshit. Here's the guy just flat out saying he doesn't hire liberals unless they're fixing his makeup, I guess is what he's saying. Uh, and so it's just like, he says he says if you put pronouns in your bio like you can't work here. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean wow. Yeah. yeah. So Media I, Matters you know. published that. Tucker tried to like his people are threatening to sue. I think Fox is even threatening to sue. Media Matters seems to be just dripping these out and having a great time, by the way, because they're just every few days there's a new drop of these, and the folks at Fox must be. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you're. Here's an old one. What was that show with, or the movie with Matthew McConaughey came out before the Truman Show? Was it Ed TV or something like oh, that? I don't know. Where they, 
they follow it was it was like reality shows before reality shows happened, and they just followed Matthew McConaughey's character around all the time. And he wanted to get out of the contract at the end, and so what he did is he was going to reveal live on air who uh, used like a, a, a an erectile dysfunction pump at the network. And it turned out it was like Rob Reiner's character who ran the network, and then they finally cut the feed right before he reveals it. So anyway, every day he was revealing this stuff, and there were all these people who were 